Man, that's an excellent song. Great is thy faithfulness. How many of you are thankful for the faithfulness of God in your life? Amen. Awesome. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer this morning, and we're going to jump right into our message. Father, thank you so much for this day, for this time that you've given us, for this opportunity that we could be here this morning, spending time around your word, spending time in fellowship with the people around us, and spending time praising your name. Father, thank you so much for your mercy, for your love, for your faithfulness. Father, we have so much to be grateful for this morning. I pray most of all that if there's one person here today that doesn't know you as personal Savior, that today would be that day that they realize their need of a Savior because of their sin. Father, for the rest of us, I pray that every single day we would realize we need you in our lives. We need you desperately in order to fulfill our purpose in our life. And so, Father, I pray that as we study your word today, that that would be, become a realization for all of us. And Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take your Bibles with me, if you would, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and I want to jump right into our passage this morning. I like to give a little bit of context so that everybody's on the same page. Maybe you haven't been in a couple weeks, or maybe you don't know, but I just want to kind of get you up to speed, so I want to set the stage for Acts chapter 2 again. Remembering Jesus walked on, on the earth for 33 years. He was here, he ministered, he healed people. He, his goal was to die on the cross for our sins, and uh, he did that. Three and a half of those years, Jesus walked around with 12 other men, 12 disciples. And he talked to them, he taught them, he walked with them, he told them exactly what they needed to know, and he began to instruct them in the way known as the way of Jesus Christ. In an incredible turn of events, which the disciples really didn't know anything about for some strange reason, Jesus was brutally killed on the cross at Calvary. Of course, Jesus knew this would happen all along. He knew that he was destined to die on the cross for our sins, for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of the entire world. This was the whole reason he came. Jesus dies, and three days later, the Bible says, of his own power, the power of God, he rises again. He stays alive. He spends some time on this earth for 40 days. 40 days, he instructs his disciples some more. And as we get closer to the book of Acts, he's getting ready to ascend into heaven, what we call the ascension. Send into heaven to where he will stay seated at the right hand of God until he comes again. As he's getting ready to give this last instruction, Jesus tells his disciples to stay in Jerusalem. We read this in Acts chapter 1. Stay in Jerusalem. Stay in Jerusalem. And so here we are, we see the disciples, for once, following Jesus' instructions. They're in Jerusalem, they're in an upper room, they're waiting for the instruction and for the power to come. Notice verse 1 of chapter 2, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, the Bible says this, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly, notice, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. 
Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that, listen to this, every man heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians, and Medes, Elamites, and the dwellers of Mesopotamia, and in Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. I want you to stop right here, and there's a bit of a misconception as to the, quote, gift of tongues. The gift of tongues was given to these men in a moment as Galileans, which we find out a little bit later in the book of Acts, that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They were not exactly your top-tier echelon educated men. They were just everyday, regular, blue-collar working fishermen. And again, remember, we talked about some people we don't even know what jobs they had. And so these men all of a sudden just start speaking in all of these different languages. Things that the people that were there could understand. That was the purpose of tongues. The gift of tongues was given so that people could understand. Notice verse 11. They speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So the Medes and Parthians and and Elamites and every kind of nation that was present at that moment, these men were able to speak in that language. That's like me getting up right here, right today, and being able to speak in Chinese because there's some Chinese people here today. I can't do that. Chinese is a very difficult language to learn. But the Spirit gave them that power. So we see this all happen and they, people are wondering what in the world's going on. How is this all happening? And Peter, good big mouth Peter, what does he do? He stands up and he begins to preach a message about the works of Jesus Christ. And you can see that all the way through this passage. But I want you to see verse 41. All the way down to verse 41. The Bible says this. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Notice, and the same day there were added unto them, notice this, about 3,000 souls. I love this story in the book of Acts. I love this story in the book of Acts. To me, it is one of the most exciting stories in the Bible. There are a lot. But this one to me is extremely exciting. Exciting. Notice again the word 3,000. 3,000 people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in this passage. In one message, 3,000 people. One of the most incredible spiritual mountaintop victories of the New Testament. It's amazing. These men were obviously doing something absolutely incredible. This story is often referred to when we're talking about the incredible potential that we can have as witnesses of Jesus Christ. 3,000 people could get saved. 3,000 people in one message, in one declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ, 3,000 people could get saved. This story is often referred to when we think about revival. Hey, revival can happen. There are 43,000 people in St. Thomas. 
Can you imagine if 3,000 of them in one moment got saved? Man, we would all go nuts over revival. Revival's happening. While I don't think any of those things are wrong to speak about, let me ask you some very important questions. And as I'm asking these questions, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. But this morning, I want you to be extremely honest, okay? This is not for show. I want us to begin thinking. So here's my first question. How many of you would love to see this in St. Thomas in 2023? Okay, I would love to see 3,000 people saved. Man, you know what? I came this morning ready to preach, hoping that 3,000 people would be here, right? Didn't happen. I would love to see this happen in St. Thomas. I would love to see it. We all would. We would love to see it. Now, please, this one's, this one's where you have to be honest. And don't be shy either. How many of you actually believe that this would happen in St. Thomas 2023. Okay? I appreciate your honesty. Most of us didn't raise our hand. I didn't raise my hand, if you'd notice. If I'm being honest this morning, I look at this passage and think there is no way. And let's be, let's be real about this. There are only a couple times in Scripture where something like this happens. There are only a couple times in all of Scripture, all the New Testament, where we see something to this magnitude happen, where thousands of people are saved at one time. We think of the feeding of the 5,000. That's pretty incredible. Feeding of the 4,000. That's pretty incredible. In Acts chapter 4, which we'll look at in a couple of weeks, there's another instance of what seems to be about 5,000 people coming. But I want you to notice, these are very small portions of scripture in the grand scheme of the new testament now how many of you again be honest raise your hand please how many of you get discouraged when you don't see results like this anybody i do because i read my bible i read my bible and i read it literally like this actually happened this actually took place i see it in the scriptures it's powerful it's amazing but why isn't it happening today? Why aren't we seeing 3,000? Are we doing something wrong? Do we need to do things differently? I get discouraged when I don't see these things. How many times, you don't have to raise your hand for this one, but how many times have we asked ourselves if it's really worth it all, if we're not going to see results? I've asked myself that over and over and over and over again. God, if I can't see these kind of results, what's the point? What's the point? Am I doing something wrong? And if I'm doing something wrong for so many years, what's the point? Let me try to get you to think this morning. I know it's early and I know you don't want to think. Let me get you to think just a little bit. What if we could detach ourselves from results? What if we could detach ourselves from results? Now, I realize this would be an extremely difficult thing to do for such a results-driven society. And we are, right? Like, if I go to a fast food restaurant, you know what I want? Fast food. I don't want to wait there for three minutes. I want to wait there for 30 seconds, tops, get my food and go. 
right? I want results. I want as many of those cars to go through that drive-through as fast as possible. I want results. I want, if for lack of a better term, I want butts and seats. I want to see people in the chairs here at Bible Baptist. I want to see them week after week after week after week. I want to see our numbers increase. I want to see results. We're results driven, so this is very difficult. But what if we could detach ourselves from results? Help me follow, through, follow this through for a second. What if we could detach ourselves from results and just, listen to this, just please God with our lives? What if? What if we could detach ourselves from the results and just please God with our lives? What if our purpose in life was more focused on the result of pleasing God rather than the result of how many people we lead to Jesus? What if the, re- the purpose of our life was to focus on the result of simply, only, just pleasing God instead of how many people come to our church? How many people I lead to Christ in my lifetime? How many people I, I, I call to repentance through my testimony? What if we could detach ourselves from that and just please God? From my study, nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible does Jesus tell the disciples, go lead 3,000 people to Jesus. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you show me that later, but I don't see that anywhere. Nowhere does Jesus command his disciples to go out and make sure everybody gets saved. Nowhere. You know what he does say? Jesus' instructions were this. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. The Bible says this. And he saith unto them, Go ye into all the world, and what? Preach the gospel to whom? To every creature. Look at what he says. He says nothing of results, does he? Nothing. He doesn't say, and everybody's going to listen, and you're going to see a major, he doesn't say that. He simply says, go, preach the gospel to everybody. Go tell it to everybody. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you can see this, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Look it, in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Hey, just go be witnesses. Look at this verse. It says nothing of results. It says nothing of results. So you might ask yourself the question, well, what's the point then? If it doesn't matter how many people come to Christ, if it doesn't matter what the results are, then what is the point? What is it about? If you're in the habit of writing things down, I'm going to ask you to write this down. Our purpose has very little to do with the results, but has everything to do with pleasing our Savior. It's hard for us to detach ourselves from that, but it has very little to do with results, has everything to do with pleasing our Savior. So let me ask this question then. How do we please our Savior? How do we please our Savior? I want you to go back, you're in Acts chapter 2, I want you to go back to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We've we've read this passage, but I just want to get you to see what Jesus is instructing them. 
Look at verse 4, the Bible says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of, heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Guys, wait for it. When they therefore were come together, and they asked of him, saying, Lord, what wilt thou at this time again restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his power, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You see, Jesus was commanding them to do something. Jesus was giving them purpose. Jesus was giving them what they were made for in this life, and that was just to be witnesses. Had nothing to do with results. But notice with me this part. Not only was he commanding them to be witnesses, but he was commanding them to be witnesses that were connected to the power. That were connected to the power. I have here with me this morning a vacuum. I have no idea how to use one of these. Let me ask you this question. What is a vacuum designed to do? I heard somebody say it over here. Suck. That's it. A vacuum is designed to suck. I heard somebody else say clean up the floor. That is one of the things it can do because it sucks. You, you following me? Okay, you know what else it can do? It can clean up a floor. It can clean up water. Anybody ever had water in their basement and they used a shop vac? Right? It sucks. And thank the Lord it sucks because it gets all that water out of there. Listen, you can clean chairs. You can clean um, upholstery. You can clean stairs. Man, you know how many times? I have kids, man. I have three kids. If you go to our couch and just peel open the cushions, you know what we need? A vacuum. It sucks. A vacuum, notice, is designed to suck. Okay? Today, this is going to represent you. Yes, you suck. No, that's not what I meant. <laughs> this is today we're going to represent you, but hear me. At your core, at your core, hear me. You were designed to please God, period. At your core, you were designed to please God. Now, please hear me. That looks a myriad of different ways. A vacuum can suck up water, dirt, all kinds of different things. But it's designed to suck. Listen, you were designed to please God. That could look different in all kinds of different ways. So... Let's just go ahead. This represents you, the North American Christian, okay? So let's take a look at what the North American Christian looks like, okay? We've got to unravel our cord here. It takes forever. This is what the North American Christian looks like, okay? All right. Here we go. We go to church, we give our money, we do nice, kind things, we're doing all kinds of fun things. You can tell I don't know how to use one of these very well, okay? We're just 
doing everything that we're supposed to do. This is what the North American Christian looks like. The power button's on, everybody. But do you hear anything? For most of us, we're just going through the motions. And I'll be honest with you, power button's on, and the cord's out, and to everybody involved, guess what? Everybody involved thinks we're plugged into the power. But we're not. Here's the reality of North American Christianity. Everybody around you thinks you're plugged in. Everybody around you thinks you're connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going through the motions and we're doing all these things. But do you hear anything? What is the vacuum not doing? It's not sucking. Listen, I'm going through the motions. I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do. I'm walking through it. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm being kind. I'm helping little old ladies across the street. I'm giving my tithe. I put my money in the offering box. I send it through e-transfer. I do all this stuff, and I'm really, really great. I teach Sunday school. I sing in the, in the music ministry of our church, and I just keep going and going and going, and I'm constantly looking like I am connected to the source of power. I'll be honest with you, there are times in my life where I, me, your pastor, look like I'm connected to the source of power. But here's the deal, though I look like it to everyone else, I know. I know that I'm just this, disconnected, going through the motions, and I want to challenge you with this, you know you know this morning whether you're connected to the Holy Spirit or not. You know if you're just going through the motions or if you're truly walking through with Jesus Christ connected to the power. Hear me. You were connected, excuse me, you were made for more than just going through the motions. This vacuum was not designed to just go through the motions. Oh, sure, that's part of it. Like, if you just turn it on and just let it run, what, what's it going to do? It's not going to do what you intended it to do. It's not going to be a useful tool. Sure, it's going to suck, but it's not going to do what it was intended to do. Hear me. We need to be connected to the power. You're in Acts chapter 1. Look at verse 8 again. I, I, we've read this, three, I think, three times already this morning. Have you caught it yet? But ye shall receive what? Power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. After the Holy Ghost comes upon you, that's where your power comes from. And then you'll be witnesses. Okay, notice the power. Go to, or just take a look at our screen. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Another instance of the Great Commission. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, look at this, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Because I am the power in heaven and in earth, you get to go. Guys, don't forget, you need the power. 
Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You see, the Holy Spirit is our power. The Holy Spirit is our source of power. How do we connect ourselves to the Holy Spirit then? How do I connect myself to the Holy Spirit? All of a sudden it starts working, doesn't it? In this auditorium there are a few, there are quite a few, but there are only specific places that you can connect to the power. If you just walk up to the front of this platform and start jamming that thing in the stone, are you going to get power? You see, there's specific places that Jesus walks. There's specific things where Jesus says, this is where I want you. This is where you're, I'm leading you. This is where I go. These are the paths that I take. Listen, I want you to get on these paths with me. Man, we're going through this in small groups. If you're not a part of a small group, shameless plug. Get a part of a small group. We're walking through what's called the spiritual disciplines. Listen, the paths that Jesus takes. He says, listen, I want you to be in the word of God. Went through Colossians chapter 3 today. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We walk in the way of Jesus. How do we get connected to the power? We got to go to the source. We got to go to where He is, not the way that we think it ought to be, but to the where He is, where He walks. We need to continue His ministry. If you want a biblical phrase, walk in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I could spend a lot of time here. But for lack of time, come to small group. and Learn a lot about the ways of walking in the spirit. But hear me. Doing what we are supposed to do, going through the motions, is only half the battle, right? Only half. If we're never connected to the power supply, if we never get this turned on, then we are never going to fulfill our purpose. It is only half of the goal. Going through the motions is only half. Doing what we are supposed to do, connected to the power, is the key. I should have put some dirt up here just to make it even more. Okay? Now it's sucking. Now it's doing all it should do. Hear me, 3,000 people got saved on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people got saved on the day of Pentecost. Hear me, not because Peter just preached, but because Peter preached and was connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what we all think, right? Okay. All I have to do is get connected to the power of the Holy Spirit and 3,000 people are going to get saved, right? There you go, thinking about results again. Hear me, it's not about results. It's about doing what we were supposed to do. Pleasing God. 
God desperately wants you to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. He promised it. John chapter 14 and verse 26. I'm going to send you another comforter. He promised it to us. You can see that in Acts chapter 1. God's going to, God promised it to you. Verse 4. Wait for the promise of the Father. So we think, okay, get plugged into the source, go through the motions, I do exactly what I'm supposed to do, right? And then all, everything's going to work out just fine. But what happens when it doesn't? You and I are a little impatient, aren't we? We want results right now. We want change right now. I want to show you a verse. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. The Bible says this. Quench not the Spirit. Quench means to extinguish or to stop. Let me ask you this question. Okay, I'm connected to the power source. Let's just reiterate. The vacuum sounds like it's working. But what stops a vacuum from sucking? When it's what? When it's full, what else? When it's clogged. When a plugged filter or a canister that's too full. I don't know if you can see this or not. That's pretty dirty. Here's something awesome. You can be connected to the source, but you can have a canister that's too full or plugged up with sin, and guess what the vacuum's not going to do, what it was designed to do? It's not going to suck. And listen, you can be connected to the Holy Spirit, and you can be full plugged up with sin, you can be full plugged up with too much things, distractions, all kinds of other things. Guess what you're not going to do? You're not going to do what you were designed to do. You're still not going to please God. You say, well, then what's the purpose? What's the purpose of getting connected to the source? What's the purpose of, of turning this thing on and, and going through the motions if I'm not going to see the results I want? Listen, when you get connected to the source, don't miss this. When you get to, connected to the source, it begins to reveal where the malfunctions are. Let me just illustrate this again. I'll put this back on. And if I were just to go through the motions, do I know that that canister is full? Eh, maybe if I look, maybe if I really dig deep into it. But listen, when you turn that baby on and it goes, and makes terrible noises and it's not sucking, and you go, what's wrong with this thing? And you pull the thing out and you realize, man, I'm full of stuff I shouldn't be full of. The Holy Spirit reveals things in your life that you need to get taken care of. It reveals the places where you're plugged up. It reveals the places where you're full of yourself. It reveals the places where you have gotten off track. The power reveals all of that. He will show us where we're not pleasing God. John chapter 16 and verse 8. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That's the Holy Spirit's job. John chapter 16, verse 13, just a few verses. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, guess what he'll do? He'll guide you into all truth. 
For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. If you're not lined up with the truth, if you're not doing what you're designed to do, guess what the Holy Spirit's going to do? He's going to reveal that. He's going to reveal that to you. So what do we do? Empty that thing. I don't even know if I know how to do this. Oh, boy. Don't get mad at me, Mrs. Kember. Empty that thing. And you know what? Maybe after you do this, you'll find out. Maybe your filter's a little clogged. I don't know what else the Holy Spirit will reveal to you, but listen. Oh, yeah. This is much better. It's working much better because it's not full anymore. Let's go back over. I spilled a little bit over here. Are you following? We want results immediately. We want results right now. We want everything to take place. But listen, getting connected to the source will reveal things where you've malfunctioned, where you've gotten plugged up, where you've gotten full of yourself. He will reveal that to you. Being connected to the power source makes us a valuable, useful, and pleasing vessel. Meat for the master's use. He wants to use you. He has a purpose for your life. It's not just going through the motions. It's not just doing what he's asked you to do. It's doing it and doing it with his power. But hear me, the results must be left up to him. So today, for lack of a better analogy, this is you. I'm God. This cord is the Holy Spirit, the power. And God comes along and he shows you exactly where he wants you to go. He's the one leading. He's the one guiding. God, I'm not picking up a bunch of dirt today. That's okay. We will. We'll get there. Just wait. I have a plan. I have a purpose. We'll get there. We'll get there. God is the one leading. God is the one driving. God is the one directing. Why don't you go to Acts chapter 2 again. After saying all that, I want you to see verses 2, 1 to 4 again. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God guide, God empowered. These men just went through the motions of preaching, teaching. Now, will all 100 of you go out tomorrow and preach an amazing message and each see 3,000 people saved? Oh, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? That would be absolutely amazing. But the reality is probably not. But here's what you can do. You can go home this afternoon. A couple weeks ago, I encouraged you to pray for a specific person, co-worker, neighbor, family, friend. You can go home and pray for that person. 
You can go home and study your Bible so that you know what to say and so that the Spirit can use the Word of God to bring all things to remembrance. You can beg and plead with God for His will to be done with your life, and you can plead for His power to accomplish that. Every single one of us can do that. Will it result in 3,000 people saved? We have no idea what it will result in. Results are left up to God. We can do that. You can, sitting here today, you can fulfill your purpose. You can be a witness of Jesus Christ. You can continue his ministry. You can be connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants. That is your purpose. You can go to your job. You can perform your job very well. You can even excel at your job, but you will never fulfill your purpose on earth unless you're connected to the power. You can go to school tomorrow. You can perform well at school. You can even excel in school, but you will never perform your purpose in life unless you are connected to the power. You can be in retirement. You can enjoy retirement. And you can even do wonderful things in retirement. But hear me, you will never fulfill your purpose on earth unless you're connected to the source Again, that's going to look different for everybody. They're all different models of vacuums. But hear me, you are made for so much more than just going through the motions. This, this is useless. I'd use this as a hammer. You're made for so much more. You're made for pleasing God for fulfilling his purpose, being connected to the source, leave the results to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Father, I pray that this example somewhat foolish, but this example of a vacuum would be helpful helping us to remember what we're made for. Father, from this passage of Scripture, we would realize that when someone gets connected to the source of power, literally anything is possible. The results are up to you. But I pray that today, people would realize they need to get connected to you again. They need to go home, pray, Study their Bible. Plead with you for wisdom. Plead with you for power to fulfill your purpose in their life. Father, help every single one of us here this morning. Please. To fulfill the purpose for our lives. Father, if, again, if there's one here today that doesn't know you as personal Savior, I pray that today would be that day. And Father, we'll give you the praise and honor and glory for it.